a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Trax Power Sports Rentals. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. Nice to have you. And uh, nice to have Bob Grove stick around with us for a couple of minutes here. Still to come, Navidomskis will jump back in. We'll have some fish bites for you. Top of the hour, we're uh, going to be checking in with the Division of Wildlife Resources. Looking forward to a conversation there. And, oh, Russ and I are uh, actually really excited to be able to share a couple of conversations that we had recorded earlier this week up at the National Ability Center where we had a rare 12 to 15 minutes to sit down with uh, the 18th chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and talk to uh, the general for a little while about his involvement with uh, NAC and some of the other things that he had to say about leadership and belonging, a sense of belonging for people and how we're lacking that in our society today. So uh, that's coming up about an hour from now. Bob is back with us. Uh, You were telling us about the beautiful uh, Canaraville experience that you had down there. Take me back to the beginning of this trip. This You were no doubt retracing some steps that you've made on a fairly regular basis, right? Yeah. Are you, um, are you talking about my Canaraville or my tour? No, no, the tour in general. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the tour is a, it's actually an Arizona Route 66 tour. It's something I planned in 2016. And um, this year we reversed the route where we normally start in Vegas and go across Arizona and end up in Albuquerque. We started in Albuquerque this year because we attended the uh, International Balloon Fiesta in Albuquerque, which I got to tell you, it is a bucket list item. If yeah. it's not on your bucket list, it should be there. This was one of the most phenomenal events. It's right up there with the Kentucky Derby of my experience, that of being so electrical. I mean, it was just... It, it, it's one of those things that you see, and I say this about you know Grand Canyon, I say this thing about many things in the outdoors. You may have seen pictures of it, but until you're there, and the colors are so vibrant, if you get a, a beautiful blue sky day, there's really nothing quite like it. Oh, it was, it was, well, let me tell you how hard we had to work to get there, because the first, the first week of October, New Mexico and Arizona was just being pounded with rain. Not monsoonal rain. This was a big rain front. I think it was coming from the remnants of a hurricane down in Mexico. But it rained steady, and we kept getting rained out each day. We were there the first day, got rained out. We got up at 4 a.m. to get there, got rained out, got rained out on the the evening glow. Mm. We had one more chance, our last chance, our last day in Albuquerque, and we were there for three nights. We uh, got up at 4 a.m. again and made it, and the sky broke open, and we had a beautiful morning. and it was worth all the work to get there. It was, like I said, it was one of the most, it was one of the highlights of my 30 years of guiding for sure. That's cool. But some, something I'll definitely want to do again. Yeah. All right. So uh, you found some events to partake in along the way. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we did the whole Albuquerque thing. We went up the uh, music, went by the musical highway. This was a Route 66 tour. So we went across the musical highway and went up the turquoise highway, which is 
on the other side of the Sandia Mountains up to Santa Fe and up to the old town. And then we worked our way west, went to uh, Acoma Pueblo, Gallup, New Mexico, and then just hit all the main attractions along I-40, which took over the Route 66 route. And then, uh, you know, there's this old big tour. There's a lot in it. Some of the highlights, Sedona. We love Sedona. This was a side trip. We spent the night in Sedona. That is a wonderful place. That's where you wipe. That's where you go to meet the mothership. <laughs> the mothership's coming in. <laughs> it's a very eclectic crowd of people, but yeah. gosh, it's beautiful there. What a wonderful place. Um, and then I got to tell you, this you, you being a Harley guy, you've probably been on this road, but if not, I highly recommend it the original section of Route 66 from Ash Fork, Arizona, that goes all the way to Oatman, Arizona, and then into parts of California. It's about 158 miles of the original road with the Burma Shave signs. A lot of really fun and interesting roadside attractions from those days, Hackberry General Store and so forth. We went, you know, when I crossed, I only crossed it. I never have gone along uh, the old Route 66, so we got just a taste of that. Uh, when we were on our uh, border-to-border Highway 89, where we stopped on one of the original, you know, uh, stretches of Route 66. And the way they have memorialized it with all the signage and uh, some of the old uh, businesses, some of the old restaurants is really great. Yeah, you know, the resurrection of the uh, Arizona section of Route 66 really started in Seligman, Arizona, which is on that original road. Uh, A gentleman named Angel Delgadillo who is a barber there really was instrumental in getting that, that put on the national historic registry and making a big deal out of route 66. And I got to tell you, the people who seem to be most interested in route 66 are not American. No. They're Western, Western Europeans. Yes. It's hilarious. <laughs> and the connection with Elvis, uh, you yes. know, be, because of movies and music from the, uh, the sixties, that's where they've always seen it, and they dreamed of coming to see it someday. I just wonder on their part what their expectations were and whether they're a little let down by, you know, what's left of Route 66. But you're right. Uh, people, and I, I think when we were there, there was a busload of uh, Chinese tourists. And even in China, they knew about Route 66. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Western Europeans really love routes. I mean, we were hearing foreign languages. We haven't heard a lot of that in the last few years. But we're hearing a lot of that big Harley groups, you know, that weren't American. There was a French group. And, you know, I thought, man, these are really tough looking Harley guys. They got the do wraps and the whole works. Then they go, bonjour, bonjour. (laughs) (laughs) I go, I just, that just destroyed the toughness factor. (laughs) But, but, you know, and when I heard that, I I was, when we were in Winslow, we stood on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Yes. When I was there, uh, we talked to the tourism director. I think we had him on the show at one point. We did. yeah, you know, I asked him. He told me that the largest uh, Route 66 gift shop in the world is in Hamburg, Germany. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, so you know, there's a lot of uh, attraction for this old Americana route, the Mother Road of you know that uh, really attracts a lot of folks from around the world. Yeah. So this was not about necessarily uh, time in the outdoors. This particular trip. This was more about a historical. Uh, see some of the uh, historical sites along Route 66 then? Mostly, you know, we did, um, when we stayed in Williams, Arizona, which is the gateway to the south rim of the Grand Canyon, they took the railroad up. I met them there in the van and took them on a tour of the Grand Canyon there. Uh, but yeah, it's mostly a sightseeing. It's a, it's all about Route 66. So 
all the roadside attractions. Uh, we went to Meteor Crater. Have you been there? That's just off of I-40. Never near been. Winslow. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's um, the most perfect impact uh, crater on Earth. It's a mile wide and about 500 feet deep. And NASA has done some trading at the bottom for the Apollo missions. And it's a really cool attraction that's not far off of I-40. But it, yeah, it's, it's you know, went to Hubble Trading Post, um, which is the longest running uh, trading post in the Navajo Nation. It has the creaky wood floors. It's really a cool place. Yeah. Went to Window Rock to see the, the hole in the rock there at the Navajo Nation. So there was a lot. There, this is a very, con I've worked hard on this, Tim. I really worked my behind off on this tour. There's so much involved. Well, a couple of years in the making, I know. Uh, I've never asked you this, but how do people find out about those tours? Where do you make that connection? Well, if they go to our blog, you know, roadtrippingwithbobandmark.com, I actually have a button that says Southern Utah Scenic Tours. It's, it's a link to their website. That's probably the easiest way to get to it. Just go to our blog, click on the Southern Utah Scenic Tours link, and that will go directly to their website with all that information. Mm. Uh, any others planned in the near future? Or is this it pretty much for the winter months? This is it for the season. Uh, we're looking at planning some new tours for next year. And, you know, maybe one of them might be a historic hot spring, Colorado historic hot springs tour is one that we've been working on. Mm. Ooh, that one sounds good, too. Long as you're comfortable in a bathing suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine will be a one piece. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, it's great to have you back, and I know that uh, you got that experience with Susan along by your side, which is fantastic. And uh, we we were joking a minute ago, uh, Mark and I, and we talked about it on the air last week, that you take her along because uh, you get better tips, and, and it makes you look good. Yeah, yeah. People like me a lot more when she's along with us. How about that? <laughs> Mar uh, Bob, thank you so much. You bet, Tim. Great to be on with you again. Bob Grove, as always. Uh, we need to break. When we come back, we'll check back in with Navidomskis and uh, get a little fish bites for you, see what he's got in mind here. Stay with us on KSL Outdoors Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Fish fry. All right, so uh, you mentioned in our opening segment, Navi, that uh, you've got some float tubers that are going to be out on the water. Hopefully you get your work done before that storm actually starts to roll through here. Absolutely. That is my big fear. I've got a number of new people, so I always worry about new people because of the wind. I mean, 
you got to work your fins to save yourself. And if you don't save yourself, you go to the other side of the lake without any other choice. So fortunately, well, not fortunately, by design, I picked a smaller lake in case that happens. And because it's our first outing, I generally choose a smaller lake for that very reason. Uh, I'll never take them to Strawberry again for the first time because I have to pull them back. So um, this time they can get out and walk back to the car from around the lake. And um, but anyway, so let, let's uh, what I want to talk about today is weather. OK, now, when I made uh, dates for this trip, obviously, I didn't know what the weather was going to be. And it's just been fabulous. I don't know if you've missed out the last three weeks, but fishing has just been phenomenal. In fact, today, Friday, it's still fishing good. Everybody I know is doing really well because it's literally the perfect weather for fishing. But tomorrow, we're going to have a dropping barometer. Okay, so what does that imply? Well, it could go both ways, honestly. A dropping barometer can be really good sometimes on fish because they get the feeling based on the, pro- the, the pressure dropping that a storm is coming. So sometimes they go on a feeding frenzy, and it just depends on what time of the day the storm is going to hit. If it, if it holds out till 3 o'clock, we're going to do fine because a dropping barometer makes the fish think that they got to eat because they might not be able to eat for a few days. And so fish will sit out a storm, literally. They'll eat right up until the storm arrives, and then they just chill, and they pretty much, it's not fishable everywhere, this is true, for a spell. And they'll usually go a whole day. So the day after a storm isn't a good day to fish. Um, But the next day, they have to eat again. So they'll just endure a storm. If the storm is three days long, they'll start eating in day two and, and for sure day three. Um, but really with what we've had, which is a a perfect barometer for the last two weeks, we have cool temperatures and that's a result of the the shorter days. So that is perfect. Ideal for trout fishing has just been, like I say, phenomenal. Um, and the, and the barometer has been steady. So everything was steady. I wish we could have kept it up one more day. If we'd have been fishing on Thursday or Friday, we would have done exceedingly well, have no idea how we're going to do this morning and when it's going to come but in the state of utah when we have a storm it usually from the north which is what we got it's going to bring a lot of pressure in from the south to fill that void the storm is drawing back air and so all the air is being replaced with the southerly so obviously this is friday and i don't know what it's like when i'm listening to this tomorrow but i'm expecting the wind to be coming from the south and that could be problematic for my students competing with wind so the next thing i want to talk about is how to fish in wind All right, so what you want to do, and and by the way, you can fish fine, but you have to understand that the fish orient, and they orient their their noses into the wind. And when you're going upwind, um, you can kick as hard as you want. You can go as literally as fast as you want, and the fish is in their snouts. It's really good. But what you tend not to do as an angler going back downwind is slow down everything. So you need to realize that the the wind is causing your boat or tube or whatever you got to move at an exorbitant rate. So you have to calculate how fast you want to go because you're. it's wonderful going downwind because you don't have to kick if you're kicking like I am. Um, but you still need to slow it if you have to because of the wind. Sometimes it's just a few kicks here and there to keep the speed you want. And then when you go back into the wind, you got to like kick really hard to keep it right. But what you want to do is understand that the fly or the lure needs to go the precise speed. 
And speed is really hard to understand when you're on the water. I tend to look at solid things on the bank, watch a tree, see how fast I'm gaining on it, see how fast I'm leaving it, and how fast I'm passing it. Because you can catch fish in both directions. You just need to compensate with what you're doing because the wind is going to provide motion. Mm. So if, if the motion's good, fine. If it's not, you have to adjust. Add a little bit or put your fins down the water and resist it. So that's what you need to understand, that you want to keep this going. And then the next thing I want to add to this for people to understand is they're going along and they get a hit. What to do? Well, if you don't have a fish on, then do nothing. Like if you were stripping it in and they were coming in because of your retrieval, then keep retrieving. Fish are going to circle back and give it another go. What's going to happen is they're going to come in, hit it. If they don't get it, they're going to circle around and see if it behaves improperly. So if you kind of maintain your coup, just keep going the way you think you're going and don't stop. You're going to get hit again and again, and you'll catch them all the way to the boat. Those are great tips, and uh, we're headed into a a season, hopefully, where we're going to get regular storms passing through, so it's all such important stuff. Navi, thank you for that today on uh, Fish Bites. Just want to remind everybody, hour number two is coming up. We have uh, early pregame action as uh, BYU gets ready to take on Liberty. That kickoff coming at 1.30. You'll hear it here on KSL. But our pregame starts at 11 with uh, Matt Biamonte and uh, the rest of our crew, Mitch and Matt. So uh, look forward to that. All brought to you today by UCCU. But a news update is coming up next. And then hour number two of KSL Outdoors. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.